0: My name is Joe if you don't know me and um, it's a privilege to teach through Romans it's also a problem because it's not the easiest book in the Bible but it's one of the most wonderful and I really think if you if you um, have been a Christian a while it's always helpful just to go back to um, the book to remind us and and just kind of have a fresh joy of our salvation a fresh understanding of what God has done in our lives Um, If you've been away, because the series has been going for a while, um, that is a, I don't expect you to see everything, it's not my sermon notes, Um, but that is just a bird's eye view of of Romans, and if you feel like you've missed out and you don't know where on earth we are in this, I'd encourage you, there's a website called The Gospel Project. Have you ever used it? They've got, especially if you're a visual learner, they've got great diagrams and YouTube clips that take you through the Bible, and this is the one that they ultimately end up doing um, slowly but surely through through their clip. Um, but chapters one to four just reveal God's righteousness in a very big nutshell. And then we moved on and we're going from chapters five to eight, which is almost like the next section, um, which which talks about God's new humanity. And it's quite an interesting place, it's quite heavy. Um, and if you, if you look through Romans, you'll just see, and, and in just even through God's word, how he, just starting with Adam, how Adam sins and, and blows it, and he's in need of a savior. And then God kind of puts more rules to the Israelites through the Ten Commandments, he gives them rules. And once again, it just shows their need for a savior. Um, and, And throughout it, we just see that we're exactly the same. We need a savior because we all have the condition of having a human heart and needing God to intervene. And in chapter seven, Paul kind of seems to have a bit of a rant where he says, with my mind, I serve the law. So it means just I have every intention you know, and, and if you know that saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. He has good intentions to serve the law, but the problem is, he says, I do what I don't want to, and I don't do what I want to do. And, and he kind of leaves us with a very similar, with a dilemma that we can all relate to. Um, and then we move on to chapter, chapter 8, and it's kind of like a power, a power chapter in the Bible and a lot of the commentators kind of say that it's one of the most pivotal books in the Bible, one of the most pivotal chapters in, in Romans. And, 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 and basically because um, and just even in that first verse, it kind of contains the whole theme of, of, of the Bible, which is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you think about it, it it, um, really just defines our status as believers, where we stand if we know and we love God, that there's no condemnation. And that is a great message because basically for the last few chapters, Paul's been telling us how we are under condemnation. So it's, it's kind of being told we're guilty, we're guilty, we're guilty, we're guilty, but guess what? You're not guilty. And that's a beautiful message to hear. And so the other great thing about this chapter, it starts with saying there's no condemnation, and it ends by saying there is no separation. And so it's this nice kind of salvation sandwich with no condemnation, no separation, and God just kind of passes at us, so I love that too. But one thing that I find difficult in life, and you guys probably find it even harder, because when I started out, things were very clear. And if I think about when I was a kid, something like gender. Were male or female now i was looking on facebook for gender identity things that you could kind of tick the box and say that you are and i couldn't count because i didn't have time but basically there was one website said there's 57 different options um another one said 71 in the uk so i don't know facebook uk is different it has different 71 different options how confusing um, to live with that when it comes to defining yourself when it even just comes to relationship status i did go and count those and there was 11. And I mean, 11 different things. It was just like married, not married, engaged, whatever. I don't know. I I laughed. I can't even remember what the few of the options were, Um, but they weren't that, yeah, they were fairly ridiculous. Um, And so kind of a lot of things that define us are fairly fluid. And that is, if if that helps for you to become strong in your faith, that's a great thing. But the problem is that we can often take what the world's going through and how they're changing and just having no absolutes and applying that same fluidity to our relationship with God and His absolutes. And so we don't always define things as we should. And that's what I love about Romans chapter 8. It's a nice, strong chapter that if you take it and you process it slowly and you go through it, it will leave no confusion about where you stand with with God. And at at first glance, it is a mouthful, but we're going to take it um, carefully. It's a Sunday night, so I broke it up carefully and, and kind of put it into some clear kind of images. Um, but a guy called Morgan, a commentator who incidentally um, uh, preached his first sermon at the age of 13. So if we've got any 13-year-olds, we're holding high hopes for you this year. Um, but he put three nice divisions in the, in the one commentary that I read. And he, he kind of put down firstly verse 1, the proclamation, two, verse 2 to 11, the explanation, and 12 to 17, the obligation. And so we're going to stick to those um, divisions because I quite like them. And the first is the proclamation, verse 1. And the proclamation is this, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the therefore isn't just like a new sentence, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's actually looking back to everything that has been said in the last few chapters. And now it's going, therefore, there is no condemnation. And it's not just a soft little no. It's actually, there's no English equivalent to the Greek know that they use. It's almost like a no, nothing, nada, no, none. It's a very strong no. And that is very important because there is no condemnation. But here's the thing, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the beautiful thing is it's not just something that we decide on ourselves. I don't decide what my status is before God. It's something that He gives me. It's something that He puts down. We don't go, we don't have 11 different kind of status types and and either, you know, I'm, I'm slightly condemned, I'm not so condemned, I'm quite holy. Last month I was condemned or this month I'm not, I'm deeply condemned. It's just, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. That is your status and that is an amazing thing. And you know, I was just thinking about the reality of that and how when you have, when you might feel like a charge is against you, I was just thinking about Jonathan and Jenny Clayton and when they work in the prisons, this message must be so beautiful to give because they're dealing with people who have been condemned. And maybe if you've only if you been in that situation of having a sentence over you, that this verse just brings so much freedom. When I was, um, many, many years ago, when I was 19 or 20, um, I was involved in a car accident and I was driving. And I don't know exactly what happened, and those who are close to me know this story, and it was a very hard and defining part of my life. Um, but, um, what happened after that is that t- two of the people that were in this combi died and others were badly injured. And so when, if you, d- if you know anything about the law, um, when someone dies in a car accident, they'll hold, um, they'll open a case of culpable homicide. And so the next day, I was still kind of concussed and dealing with everything, and a police officer came to our house and he started reading me my rights. As he went through, he took a statement and he said, okay, you have the right to remain silent. I'd only ever seen that on TV and I couldn't believe I was in the situation. At that point, I must be honest, I didn't know if he was gonna arrest me after that. It was just this overwhelming fear. And as I had to live with just dealing with this condemnation over me, and just knowing that this court case was gonna come, the inquest, and as they were gonna gather information about the event, my life was gonna be on show. It left me in a very vulnerable situation. It left me with fear. It left me with anxiety. It left me with my own condemnation to deal with. And then what happened is the inquest came and it went, the, the state, whoever does those actual, like the inquest then said, it's fine, you know, I'm free of it, they're dropping any charges. Um, but a little bit later, I'd moved to Joburg and got a letter in my post to say, there were more charges coming against me and this time it was in a private capacity. And so some people were going to kind of try and prove that I was guilty. And once again, I had to deal with this pain of having condemnation and just the, the heaviness um, o- over my life. And unfortunately they would set the date. Um, I had Shelley, and I were friends. Shelley was living in Joburg and I was actually, I, it was my first year at the church. And we had decided um, to go on a holiday to Greece. And so we um, we were there and, and unfortunately the, the court date then was set for the day I was returning. And so what should have been a beautiful life and a beautiful holiday, and I was in my twenties, I was very happy and in some ways trying to move on with life, but it was kind of like I had this of condemnation that i was dragging along with me all the time and um, the holiday was very different for me it was wonderful but but i just couldn't get it out of my mind and then one day i remember opening my emails we were in an internet cafe somewhere it was before whatsapp and i got a message to say that the the charges had been dropped and all of a sudden my holiday changed all of a sudden i was on a greek island and i was in freedom and i can't tell you just the beauty of having this heaviness and how some things, obviously there's implications, and I'm telling you the story kind of very quickly. It was a very heavy story. Um, but, but for me, the whole, the whole kind of aspect of having charges over me and then having those charges dropped was one of the most beautiful things. And sometimes it's the same. We don't get it um, because also for a lot of us, we've been Christians since we were young. Um, you don't always get what you were saved from, but you know what? Everyone who has given their life to God has had the charges dropped. Even if you did it as a kid, and you weren't the worst person in the world, you still didn't make the mark. You still missed the mark, and the condemnation should have been on you, and that is what we have dodged. We have dodged, not dodged a bullet, but we have missed condemnation, and that is such a beautiful thing, and if you're feeling condemnation, I have a great way to test it, Um, and, and because the devil will kind of come and try and condemn you. It doesn't mean, because you're a Christian, that you won't feel other sorts of condemnation, but God doesn't condemn you. And I always say, if if I'm chatting to people, or if I'm trying to test things in my my own self, I just kind of go, like, the Holy Spirit brings conviction, which brings clarity. The devil brings condemnation, which brings confusion. So if you're a believer, and, and something's happening, and you're feeling condemned, and confused, and overwhelmed, It's usually because the devil's coming against you and he's making an accusation. Because God, once you're in Christ, Jesus will come and he will um, convict you and he will lead you and bring you into clarity. And so that's a beautiful way to start this passage. There is no condemnation. But now we move on to the explanation, the verses, and this is where it gets a little bit, it's almost like a diamond. And if you look at a diamond with so many beautiful facets, it's, it's sometimes hard to explain spiritual truths. And so Paul just uses beautiful, big language Um, But that's why I'm breaking it down a little bit. But verse 2 to 4 says this. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so to make that a little bit, as you can see, it's quite a, uh, there's a lot there. Um, I kind of just put it into two simple word pictures. And um, if we can have the first table up, it's just the law of the Spirit. And then on the other side, I just did the law of the sin and death. And I just kind of put them into a column so we can kind of see um what is happening here. So firstly, on the, on the left, we have the law of the Spirit. And verse two says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then we move across and we see what the law was powerless to do. Um, and then just if we can have the next slide, I just highlighted some of the words that came out because that also creates a fuller picture. But, but on the, one, on the law, law of the Spirit, the words that came out were life, free, God did, a sin offering, the requirement was met, and spirit life, and what a beautiful and full picture of what salvation means, and then on the top, I actually laughed, because I didn't intentionally, but it says sad at the top, um, but yeah, so the law of sin and death, um, the words come up powerless, and weak, and condemned, and those are just all kind of hallmarks of the flesh life. But actually, if you have to look at that diagram, where would you place yourself? And this is the reality is that we as believers often can identify more with the, the sad side than the, than the spirit side. And then I was going, well, well, if that's not true, why is it? And the first thing I could just think of is that the devil knows that Jesus is one. So if he can kind of throw a, a negative spin on our salvation and say, actually, you know what? You need to do the things that are on the other side to be saved. You need to do things in your flesh. You need to make yourself better. You need to you can't trust that the work has been done. It's not fully paid for. And if he can kind of get you operating more in that area, he's going to be be winning because you're not going to be enjoying your salvation. Sometimes we out of our own just slip into the flesh realm too. And I've seen that in my own life how it starts out as genuine obedience. I obey God because I love him. And all of a sudden though, that's that, like, because we like to see results as humans. And so all of a sudden I love what's happening in my life. And, and then I slip into legalism and I think, wow, well, you know, I'm quite a good person. I'm not really battling with that sin anymore. I'm not really battling with that issue. And, and can you see how as Christians, we can slip into this? And and you know, even people who say they like the most charismatic, it's not just your your religious churches, because sometimes we can say some churches are more religious than others, you know? Um, that's a very religious, because they say prayers in a certain way. It even happens when people are kind of pushing into spirit life, that they even come up with a whole new new set of rules. And so it's just that as Christians, we also have to keep ourselves in check. And then if we put it all together, we can see how if we're living in that side, that legalism can actually just kill us in the end. And it can just leave us as deflated and unhappy Christians who don't really enjoy our salvation. And the way I thought about it is, it was a bit of a like the dumbest illustration I'll use today, a jam jar. But I thought about this, and and when I was single, I remember jam jars used to be quite a big thing, or like, or jars, olive jars, whatever, um, in my flat, because there's always a dilemma of how do you open it? And I used to pride myself in being quite as strong. I always used to be playing mercy with guys when I was a teenager or kid or whatever, and thought I was quite strong. And so, it was quite a dilemma when I had to open that Jolly Jam jar. And then I would be opening it and I'd battle and like knock it a bit, but the, the jar never won when I was single. And what did it do? It kind of made me quite oh, well, I don't need a guy. I'm quite good like this. You know? I don't need you. I might want you, but I don't need you. Um, and you can see how that pride just kind of comes and puffs up. Now, I've had the opposite in the last few weeks, and I had to laugh at myself because after pregnancy, I've just got carpal tunnel in both my arms, my, I've got pain all the time, and my hands have actually become incredibly weak, so much so that I just battle to open and hold things. And what did it do? It actually left me the other day quite depressed. I was like, I'm getting old, I'm, just, I'm never gonna get better again, and this is it, it's just like decline from here, I'm never gonna have strength in my hands. Can you see how trying to do it in ourselves can also leave us deflated and depressed? And then the other day, something else happened with a jar and we had my family over for dinner and I can not even remember what was in the jar but my sister-in-law and in-law and I were trying to open it so we're in the kitchen we're trying to open it she's knocking it can't open it so we're like okay we're gonna have to ask the guys so then we go to the lounge and Jono is not there but it gets passed around so my dad who probably never stood a chance, he's 90 years old, and he's got arthritis in his hands, and um, he, so he passes, like the little guys, my nephew, who's 14, tried to open it, then we like kind of went for the ones whose egos, because you kind of start at those that won't feel that bad if they can't open it, and then you go to the ones that, "Mm, your ego's on the line here, so brother-in-law, brother, no one can open it. And then Jono walks in, and I'm like, I know he's gonna do this. Like, come on, I I back you, babe. And I'm like, Jono will do this. And I'm like saying it with confidence, but going, please let him open it. Like, (laughs) our family's name's on the line. And so he kind of takes it and he opens it. And I'm just like, oh. And it was almost like celebrating in the victory of my husband opened the jar. We all got to enjoy the contents of what was in the jar. I got to celebrate in the victory of the jar being opened. But it wasn't actually me that opened the jar. And that is it with religion. If you think about it, religion will leave you sad. I can't do it on my own, it will leave you helpless. I can also lead you prior, leave you prideful. I opened the jar, look at me. Although you actually open it by smashing it against the wall, and there's pieces of glass everywhere, and you can't even enjoy the jam, because that's what religion does. And then you have God who comes and opens the jar and says, Here it is, it's yours. Like, I don't actually even care. John really doesn't care about that sort of thing, but I do. (laughs) So (laughs) we both look good. Um, But I think as Christians, sometimes our biggest challenge isn't always sin, but it's actually just trying to be good enough. And actually, sometimes it's our good works, and just navigating that road of obedience and pleasing God. But now if we move on a little bit more, it just gives us a nice kind of platform on how to do spirit life. Those who live according to the flesh— And if we can just have the next slide. Um, I'm not going to go through everything because we don't have time, but I just kind of took, once again, the points of just the picture it creates. And if you look at the mind governed by flesh, it's set on what the flesh desires. It's death. It's hostile to God. does not submit to God's laws, nor can it, and cannot please God. But this is the, the realm I really want to speak to you about because this is life in the Spirit. This is what God has intended for us. This is the love relationship that, the spirit of truth that comes to us when when we know God, and it becomes the mind governed by the spirit, and it's set on what the spirit desires, and it's life and peace. And I just think that's so beautiful. And then just the next bit in the realm of the um um oh, that you you are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, isn't that an amazing promise that you are actually in the realm of the spirit? Like once when I was preparing, that was just such an amazing reminder for me, that's, a, that's the realm I'm in. You know, God reminded me of two truths this week that, that I had almost just taken for granted again, and the one was, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's not a, he may, he will. And I'm like, sometimes, like, I must admit, the, the devil was having a field day with my mind, and I just took a stand and went, I will resist the devil, and he will flee, because that was God's promise. And this was another one that just, the light bulb came on again, is that I'm in the realm of the Spirit. What a, what a place to dwell. What a, what a beautiful gift from God. But there were a few things that if we look at just the, the life through the Spirit and, and what this life looks like and, and what God is actually giving to us when he gives us the gift of salvation, um, there were a few beautiful truths that, that came out of the Scripture for me. And the first, I don't know about you, but two of the most beautiful words that I know are life and peace you just think about it, and I actually just sat today just contemplating those words again and again, life and peace. And in a world that is full of kind of death and and just messages of death and and anxiety and fear and everything that's counter peace, those are words of hope, life and peace. And if you look at what what it comes from, it comes from a mind controlled by the Holy Spirit. That life and and peace is something that if we submit to the Holy Spirit, if we say, Holy Spirit, control my mind, the problem is when I find when I'm losing my peace, when I'm losing what God has given me, even just my joy in my life, it's usually because I haven't focused my mind on on the Holy Spirit, the mind controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then... A sad reality is also that a lot of Christians try to do the opposite. They don't want their mind controlled by the Holy Spirit, but they try to control the Holy Spirit with their mind. And I've seen that so much in talking to people. They're trying to figure God out. They're trying to tell God and the Holy Spirit what they're comfortable with and what He can and can't do. And He's not ours to control in that way. And for many, the Holy Spirit has become something they fear when that's not life and peace are not words to be that kind of indicate fear that we should be in fear and you know i think a sad reality is also that you'll hear people say well i'm not really into that stuff you know like i'm fine with god fine with jesus but the holy spirit i'm not into it like unfortunately as a believer you don't have the option if you can see this is one of the gateways into salvation you don't have the option to decide whether you accept or or reject the work of the holy spirit he's there for every believer and I don't know if you've ever got upset with people, I have, of people who say they don't want to come to church and they don't want to become a Christian because they've been put off by other Christians. Have you ever had that? Like, they don't want to come to church, I know other Christians. And what is your response? I often think, well, that's the lead right off a whole group of people, or like, we're still human. Like, I have a million reasons why that is the wrong decision. And I think it's the same, though. We do it in the church. We will say, well, I'm not really into the Holy Spirit because, like, I was in a church once and someone was clucking like a chicken and it made me quite uncomfortable. And, and that's not what the Bible talks about when he's talking about the work of the Spirit in our lives. And so unfortunately, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We kind of squash the Holy Spirit because of one bad experience. I'll also say that's ridiculous. And you're cheating yourself because this is what you need. You need the Holy Spirit in your life to make everything that God has given you real to give you the joy of your salvation, to do life with you daily. It was a gift that Jesus had promised. And also to set your mind on what the Spirit desires. And if you think about what the Spirit desires, I just started jotting down a few things that I could even just think about straight away from the Bible. The first thing is salvation. That's the very first thing, that you can't come to God unless the Spirit brings you and and, and reveals truth. So we need the Holy Spirit for salvation. We need Him as a spirit of truth, as a counselor to do life with us, to give us direction, to give us the gifts. We're told to eagerly desire the gifts, to long for them, not to resist them, to have the fruit of the Spirit. And if you look at that, that is a stunning picture, beautiful picture of life. It's gifts, it's fruit, it's it's abundance, it's life, it's peace. Isn't that a beautiful place that God's drawing you into? Why would we want to resist that? I just don't understand. And then there's other things that um, that um, sorry I've just lost my place. I got excited about that. Um, oh yeah. So these are uh, these are the things that our minds should be on. Is is those are the things we should be focusing on because it's, that's where God is drawing us. He's drawing us into relationship. He's drawing us into relationship with the Spirit, and He's saying that if you set your mind on these things, and so my suggestion to you is, if you've had a bad experience, if you've been put off that that maybe the devil's using it to rob you of the joy of your salvation and the abundance that God has for you. And maybe you have to lay that all aside and say, Lord, you know what? I'm gonna go on an adventure of discovering you. I'm gonna step into life in the spirit. I want to know what it means to have the joy of my salvation. I want to know what it means to do life with you and commit yourself to that journey of discovery. And God will show you new things. And you shouldn't just be in the same place you were last year. You shouldn't just be, like, God's always taking us into new places. I must say, when I, when I came to Mederidge in, I started working here in 2000, and it was quite uncomfortable for me because I'd come from a very conservative background. So I remember people all doing spiritual tests, spiritual gift tests, and, and it was weird, and I was filling mine in, and like, it was like, oh, okay, this came out naught, that came out naught, that came out naught. Because I wasn't exposed to it, I'm like, "Well, God's never going to use me in certain areas." And you know what? I just God did a process in my heart where He actually told me He'd given me everything I needed, and He started to make me confident in who He had created me to be. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is when I when I started just backing what God was doing in my life, and just actually that He had worked in my heart and. I was just, you know, I was passionate about serving, and that's that's where I felt God was really working. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to feel inferior. I'm not going to feel out of my my depth. Is that God has got these beautiful gifts for us once we are believers, and I'm just going to push in. And the minute I did that, I actually found that God put new things in me. The Holy Spirit just put new gifts in me because I was open to it. I realized before I wasn't open to it. I was actually putting a lid on what He was doing. And then... Just the last section is, is basically our, our obligation, and actually the verse has obligation in it. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but, is not, but it is not to the flesh um, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. And it's just very simple instructions, but once again, it's not if by your own strength, you put things to death, but if by the spirit and maybe as Christians we're failing over and over again because we're still trying to do things in our own strength. This is kind of like a um, I've just forgotten the word the, the red the lifesaver red ring it's not a boy it's a you know like, it's called a lifesaver huh? Hey? Yeah. (laughs) We just did holiday club with a few of them all over the stage and I just hit a blank. Anyway, it's kind of like that being thrown. It's kind of like I'm not expecting you to do this in your own strength. Yeah yeah you go. Just take just just take it. And still we go home and we draw a five point plan on how I'm gonna be more religious about having my quiet time every morning, or how I'm gonna get rid of the sin and God's going, Just just take the ring. It's there, it's there, just grab it. And we just kind of turn our back and we carry on pushing through the waves and just going, This is how I'm gonna do it. That's not what it's about. But as humans that's a tendency we're gonna have to fight and probably till the day we die but that's why we have the spirit and the last few verses for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry abba father the Spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children now if we're the children then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory and just how this is such a beautiful fulfillment if you look at John chapter 14 where where Jesus promises i won't leave you as orphans i'm not going to leave you alone there's a there's a plan of adoption where you're going to become an heir you're going to you're going to do life with me you're going to be a, you're going to be my equal you're going to be my child you're going to, we're going to do this together. You're going to be part of my family. You, you're mine. And that is such a, such a beautiful picture. That, that is where we know we are saved, when, when all of a sudden I just know that I'm God's child, that I'm loved by Him. And maybe you, you're in a place where you are doubting your salvation or not really understanding it, and I just want to encourage you. We, we are limited by time, but this, this chapter is so rich. Go home and process it and just see what God is saying to you for yourself. And I was just, it just became real to me again yesterday. And I was, I was just sitting outside watching the kids and um, Callista, she climbs, she's a year old, but she just likes climbing everything. So she climbed up a little jungle gym and she was on a platform and there's a net. So it's pretty safe because we had put a net against it. So she was picking leaves and I kind of was sitting, doing something and then next thing I heard her screaming. (laughs) And I don't always laugh when my kids hurt themselves, by the way, just for the record, because I laughed last time I was explaining an injury, Um, but it's actually a very serious thing, but I often laugh about it because it's funny afterwards. But anyway, I heard the screaming and crying, and I ran to her, and she kind of was like a a fly caught in the spiderweb. She had actually slipped down the net, and had kind of was falling down, but it held herself, and she was jammed in this net like a little fly, and I kind of was trying to like, Push her up and get her back to the platform um, to kind of pull her out of this mess. And I just hugged her and grabbed her. And it is my joy as a parent to rescue my daughter. It's kind of like my A game. If you want to know how much I love you, let me rescue you. And just I want to hug you. I want to. I want to hold you. I will come straight away if I hear your screams. How much more is God like that? He just wants you to call him. It's his A game. He's in the game of rescuing people. And maybe you just resisting God. And I just want to encourage you tonight, maybe you've believed God, maybe you've given your life to him, but you're doubting your salvation. This whole thing's confusing you. Maybe you're caught in sin. Maybe the devil's robbing you of the joy of your salvation. Maybe you think you're awesome and you need to be (laughs) dropped down a few notches and and the pride needs to go, but God wants to call you into that. Just surrender your life to him. Open your life up to, to the Holy Spirit, to be the spirit of truth that kind of comes in and just reminds you of what it means to be saved and to walk with him. So if I can ask the worship team to come up, I'm just going to spend a bit of time praying for us, but I, I really just felt led to pray for people who were a bit confused or feeling condemned, um, because as I said in the beginning, that that's not how God works. He, he's not in the business of confusing people, and He's not in the business of condemning believers. And if you know and love God, and you're feeling like the devil's having a field day with your mind, maybe something's crept in, I really feel... Like, this is a time to respond. Maybe you've realized through the series in Romans that you're not even saved. You've never actually made that decision to follow God. And maybe this is a time where you need to take that step and give your life and surrender to Him. Or maybe you just need someone to come alongside you and pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit so that you can be reminded again of the joy of your salvation. So, if that is you, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and just... If you can stand up, you can even come to the front if you want and surrender. Or just put, stand up and put your arms out and people around you can pray for you. Um, but this is just a time to not hold back. You know, I love that verse It says, Today if you hear Him call, don't harden your heart. This isn't the day to do that. This isn't the, the time. You have one life and you don't want to waste it. And so just surrender, reach out to God. Maybe you are just feeling like you need to kind of have the reset button, and sometimes that happens. We are human, and just step from, from flesh and walking in the flesh to, to walking in the Spirit, then just stand up and, and lift out your hands to Him. It's about what He can do. It's not about what I can do or anyone around you. It's about a work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and if anything, that's what that chapter points to. Without Him, we are nothing. So, Lord, we just come and we pray for that life and peace life and peace that only you can give. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, we invite you to come and make your, your love, your salvation, just who you are real to all of us. Open the eyes of our hearts to experience you in a completely different way. And Lord, if anyone's standing in surrender, I just pray that especially for them, Lord, we just especially pray that today will be Day where you just transform their lives, Lord, where they experience you in a fresh and a new way, Lord. Lord, it is such a privilege to to walk with you. And for those who who are maybe feeling like we're in a good place, I also pray that we'll still have that same desperation, Lord, because we see so many people walking in the flesh and with the spirit of death. And Lord, we don't want that. So Lord, then just use our lives to bring others to you. Lord, as we worship you in this time, may it be a time of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Lord, may we hold nothing back. We thank you for who you are. Amen. I just also, if, there, if you felt like there was, yeah, that you haven't given your life to God, I just want to say that we'd love to pray with you. One of the pastors, maybe someone that you know. Um, but, yeah, just don't don't leave tonight without having responded in that way because that's an important conversation to have with someone and just to let someone know so that they can walk the road with you. Um, but, yeah, if we can all just stand and we're going to go into a time of worship.